All right, welcome to another episode of the Streaking Lawn podcast, as it usually is. My name is Pierce, and as I usually do, I have Caroline with me tonight. Caroline, how's it going? Hey, it's good. Weather in Charlottesville was delightful today. I loved it. And it was. I'm going to be miserable and back up in the 80s later this week, so I'm going to cry. It was, it was hoodie weather for a brief moment. Uh, let's not get crazy. It was like 67 degrees. No, see, I wear hoodies um, all the time, and you think 67 degrees is hot. All right, moving on to Paul. For what are your weather takes, Paul? Uh, I like a balmy 41 and rainy because I'm extremely Scottish. Mm, you want that fisherman sweater weather. Yeah, yeah, I just oh, yeah. wear a jacket year-round. That's my thing. Mm, yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, it wasn't either of those things. Uh, this past weekend against FSU, it was it was a nice evening, but uh, it, it was bumping inside Scott Stadium and, and plenty for us to talk about, about the big win for the Hoos, the big comeback win against the uh, fearsome Knowles who people maybe underestimated or maybe the Knowles just, you know, uh, have the talent to put it together and and uh, and did fairly well put it together against the Hoos, but who's very victorious as we all know so let's talk about um you know the general good impressions to start things off i mean you got to be pretty pumped uh taking advantage of this opportunity even if it was quite stressful uh towards the end <laughs> uh, caroline what were you uh excited to see besides the end result um I think just the atmosphere returning to Scott stadium, like that was, it hasn't felt like that in a really long time. And like, even those big games, I think the last time that had 58,000 or the last time it was a crowd that big was the 2015 Notre Dame game. And that wasn't quite the same feel. That was just a big game crowd. Not like this was a crowd that you could feel. And that's why I think the, the rush at the end, I'm all for, I'm normally very sticklerish. not let the kids have their fun, but you know, I hope basketball doesn't, rush the court for you know, at least a decade <laughs> like oh, yeah. you want a national championship you're good you got to like respect the rules but in this situation it was the emotion and this was another much like the pit game to start the season that set the tone this was a game that really showed that despite Florida State coming out and playing their best game of the season I think Florida State's more going to match their competition as the season goes on like if they play a crummier team they play a little crummier at least that's how it's looked through the first three games and maybe I'm just being biased about it but they have talented players who pulled off good things um but the way that they Virginia stuck with it you know scored 21 points in the fourth quarter continued showing that they can adapt and adjust and then just the overall feeling that you know, it's so cheesy to say, like, such and such is back. But it was the first time in a really, really long time that football was fun at Scott Stadium. <laughs> and I don't think we can underestimate or undersell that. It was awesome. The crowd was awesome. There was a little bit of what do we do when Delaney pushed that point after attempt wide. <laughs> Not a lot. The, the good old song yeah. wasn't sung as heartily that time. No, um, I don't believe I sang it after. I don't think I did either. No, yeah, that seemed odd to do especially yeah. <laughs> with, with the extra point being the potential tying point oh, then you're man. like oh crap we're yeah. still losing <laughs> we weren't right. expecting this and it wasn't so much like i didn't sing it because i was be mad or it was more like shock that we just yeah. like a bunch of us just kind of sat down like oh no and you're like then you're looking at the clock and seeing how much stuff was left in the game and like you know are we gonna so yeah that was the one moment where it got a little dicey but 
that, that was one of the most questionable things in the game to me was FSU's play calling after that happened because they mm-hmm. ran four plays if you count the punt. Um, it seemed and, like Virginia had the game in hand, even though they were yeah. down. You know, yeah. I think you know at least talking to my FSU friends that I was texting with. We all knew the end result of this game before the third quarter was over. And I, I, I was, for as pessimistic as I can be, I was completely sure UVA was winning that game. It was definitely the most confident I've felt in the ability to come back. And I thought that they were doing, they were taking advantage. There's a lot of talk that I saw later that was like, FSU contained Perkins and like didn't let him do whatever. And I don't think that, yeah, I don't think people are looking at Perkins right now, like how much he runs is how much he's contained. And I don't think that's fair because he did the smartest stuff. They were giving Virginia those like intermediate five to 15 yard throws all day. And Virginia was making them and Perkins was hitting them. And, and so why on earth would you want your quarterback to take extra hits if he doesn't have to? And that, to me, that's the story. That that's my like a good thing story of the game is the adjustments that uh, that the offense did not look good in the first half. It didn't. It didn't look well schemed, which meant if it was trying to out talent a team that has more talent than it, it was stagnant. It didn't work. Um, you know, there there wasn't there weren't big holes to run through for the most part. The Florida State defense for all of its other discipline issues is still fast. They're still going to get to the edge faster than most teams. So they're hard to go around and they're hard to go, go through. Mm -hmm. Um, But the adjustment in the second half of, okay, we've got a quarterback that's a really accurate short and intermediate thrower. So we're going to sit back and we're going to hit the, the five yard stick, the swing route, the, you know, 10 and 15 yard outs and, and little zone busters. And, and we don't need to go over the top. We don't, we don't need to have run a whole bunch of nothing but, but go routes because Florida state's defensive backs are fast enough to stay with even Joe Reed, even, even Chapman. Um, but what we can do is, is put together good route combination and get guys open and keep the ball moving enough to open up the run game and, and things like that. So I, I was very impressed by, I I wish the scheme had been more accurate from the get go, because I think a well-schemed Virginia team, a well-schemed Virginia offense wins means Virginia wins this game by 20. Like if, <laughs> if seriously, as, as good yeah. as the, as good as the defense played um, for throughout a, an offense that was able to do more, well, there was two, two trips inside the 20 that resulted in three points, six points or in the first half, yeah, um, the sim- first similar, similar as we saw, <laughs> similar as we saw, uh, you know, against Pitt um, that there were, there were a lot of points left on the field in the first half um, that I think a, a, a better come out of the gate scheme gets a fairly significant Virginia lead that they then just roll with. Yeah. I think you're right, Darns, that that what Perkins does to extend these plays was the difference in the game. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of those plays end up as sacks against normal humans. Yeah. And (laughs) sacks kill drives. And and I don't think UVA scores enough points with – 
really anybody since Biscuit <laughs> that we've seen yeah. playing QB. Um, and, you know, that, that doesn't show up in rushing totals unless he does break a run. And most right. of those were him throwing it away or him completing one of those dinky, dunky passes, which <laughs> move you down the field rather than the Saxon movie backward. I mean, it, it, it was a, a phenomenal display by a guy who's clearly still not 100% uh, to get away from that pass rush. But on the other side, I thought Blackman played great. Uh, you know, there were some throws that he missed that I know Knowles fans were upset with. Yeah. But there were a lot of strong plays from him, and he was getting the crap knocked out of him all night too, uh, which I think is going to be a, a common theme for opposing quarterbacks uh, against the Hoos. Yeah. I thought the way that the defense handled Cam Akers was, I mean, to me, the difference in the game because he holding him to what he had. Um, that's just a guy that has carried that team through, um, through to wins. Like they don't win that game against Monroe, even though it went to overtime and all that stuff. Um, but when you have him, only gaining 83 yards net 78 he lost five like that's huge um I I thought that was just such a big thing and he's such a huge threat and obviously they have talented receivers we talked about that before um the week before we talked to Bud Elliott and some of them made some very impressive grabs like they they climbed ladders and held onto it through really good contact so I agree I think the defense played well I think they got to Blackman I thought Blackman looked pretty good and they used that tempo, the, you know, the first touchdown they scored, the defense just looked kind of shocked by all of it and missed a couple tackles and, you know, that sort of stuff happened and whatever. Um, but all in all, I just, again, it, it just feels like these are games that are huge tests for a team that has expectations. And so far, I think that they've met those tests admirably and passed in my eyes, obviously three, no, always is good, but I looked at the way, I just can't get over the adjustments like, like Paul, like you talked about, like how I thought the first, the first drive looked great right up until he threw the interception. <laughs> um, sure. They were picking up yardage. It was, it looked easy. Like it was just kind of like, all right, they're moving down the field. And obviously that's not how you want to do it, whatever. But, um, but the adjustments that they made using what the defense gave them, I thought was really impressive. And then the defense just coming up huge at big times. Um I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the last drive stuff, but sure. overall, that's uh, a win. Well, before we get to any, um, you know, negatives or, or room for improvement, <laughs> um, I think one one thing that stuck out to me walking out of Scott Stadium was that so many times uh, recently for this football team have we discussed on this podcast missed opportunity games. And, yeah. and it is that broader picture, which is why the pit game to start off was so much bigger than just one divisional uh, conference game. You know, yeah. it really set a statement for, for this team's going to be able to compete this year by going on the road and, and beating Pitt. And this had obvious ramifications. You know, they're, they're ranked for the first time uh, in a while. They, they've got, you know, a, a name brand opponent coming in that, again, like we've said a thousand times, has plenty of talent, et cetera, et cetera. It would have just been one disappointing loss, but it would have been just the nth disappointing loss 
in a moment where they really have an opportunity to to get some momentum and to get some national recognition and to feel like there's this optimism which now we all have because they won <laughs> you know right. and it was right. a close game yeah. it was a, it came down to a possession you know it 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 could have gone either way but to walk away from it, no matter how they did walk away from it, is huge because we're so tired of them dropping this critical type of game and, and they won it. Yeah, I think the, the positive thing that – and actually I, could, I can segue this directly into a, a room for improvement mm-hmm. – is that, that this team finally has playable depth. That mm-hmm. when, when Snowden went down, there was – the linebacking core able to, to fill in pretty well um, as you know, it, it, it shows that, that there is more talent that goes deeper um, as well as experience and understanding of the scheme to get on the field and have, have the trust of the coaches who aren't going to put guys on the field who don't know the scheme well enough to play it at a very, very high level. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one the downside to that is that the that I that I saw was the, yes there is more depth and yes there is more understanding of scheme but it's still not perfect <laughs> and well, the, sure. <laughs> the the run the run fits um, mm-hmm. that if the it, it's more understanding drop than talent drop going down the depth chart I think that yeah when so Snowden came out and it wasn't like oh that was the end of the game because Florida State was then able to you know that there was no pass rush you know Zandier still got that incredible sack you know, there was still plenty of pressure getting the quarterback but what did happen is the run fits got off um, that I, I think it was Snyder came in or or they shifted I'm not sure exactly what the personnel substitution was in that instance, but there were definitely two or three of those long acres or um, the Laybourne runs mm-hmm. that were directly at the hole that was left by Snowden because the run fit was off by a gap or even just off by a shade that, gotcha. that you know, they were able to able to open up a couple of big running lanes. Um, so, but that's, you know, that's, that's not bad if um, – it's not that bad of a bad thing if you screw up your run fits against a team with five-star running backs and you still win the game. Yeah. Also, and just, and all, of a sudden, so those, all of a sudden those guys, that's, that's film that they'll get to look at. And, hey, by the way, your run fit on this is, you know, six inches to the left or one gap over or whatever. And against teams that maybe can't gash you for 40 or 50 yards, it's, you know, now you've – You've, you've survived what could have been a really, really rough learning curve. That was probably just because their arms weren't long as, as long as Snowden's. Um, <laughs> no, I would do, I do want to point out just one thing about Snowden coming out of that game. So he came out twice. The first time he was walking towards the um, tunnel to go back into the locker room. And it was third down and something like third and six or whatever it was. And bless his heart if he didn't stop repeatedly and watch. Like he would not leave the field to go back and get treatment until he saw if his teammates made the stop, right? So mm-hmm. they made the stop and they had to punt or they decided to punt. If Lauren Brown was listening, they weren't forced to punt. Um, and so when he, I didn't realize he came back out, but I saw him on the field again, obviously, because he came back in the game. And that's when he pulled up and like medical help had to come out and treat him. So I thought that was for sure going to be it. I thought it was a hamstring thing. I you know, didn't know if he was cramping or whatever else in the stands. You can't tell. Um, and then he came back in like a mm-hmm. champ. 
like, <laughs> what? I mean, that's just I, that just to me is the whole defense. Like that's what their attitude is. The the effort they put in, the grit, like all the buzzwords you want to say. But for that kid to like come off the field twice and still finish the game, not only finish the game, but like be right in there and important um, was just I thought was a cool thing. Absolutely. Another room for improvement, I would say, is the uh, punt fielding. Uh, Billy which Kemp, bless his heart, almost we, gave me a heart attack. Absolutely. it's It's got to be one of the more stressful things in all of sports next to maybe uh, uh, championship game clenching free throws. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't sound like anything that would actually have to happen. Right, right. Uh, it, it was it, cool to see. Uh, the coaching staff uh, stay with Kemp uh, after uh, some bobbling issues, but we've over the years seen a lot of bobbled punts go poorly <laughs> for the Hoos. Yeah. So it's I definitely not had a lot of flashbacks. Anything I want to ever, ever deal with. There was also at, at one point, um, I know some confusion on if that we were returning a punt and FSU was going for it and the punt returner, I don't even remember if it was Kemp or not, but had to run off the field and did so in time, but it was definitely an, an almost Khalid get off the field moment. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. My not only question is, is how, how bad guests. must Tavares Kelly be at fielding punts if <laughs> Kemp gets to, uh, yeah, and, and Kelly, I know is. I wonder if there's more going on there um, behind the scenes that we know. I know he was he was suspended for team rules uh, for the opener, but we haven't seen much of him. But Kemp was too, was. wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it Kelly and Kemp? Yeah, it was the two of them. Right, but we haven't yeah. seen much of Kelly yeah. since. So uh, I wonder why, but I don't know. Um, Darns, we're we're gonna have to put you on the spot and and get you to bring up a room for improvement, though. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely – it's hard to say, like, don't get those fouls because I'm borderline with two of them anyway. But um, let's see. I'd like to see a little bit more – I thought the the way that they used the passing game with the running game, obviously I think Bryce Perkins only had one touchdown out of the four, um, and that was a really nice touch pass to Joe Reed in the corner. Um, they mm-hmm. use the running game well at the goal line. Obviously, when you have Wayne Talapapa finish with three touchdowns, they're doing something right there. Um, but there weren't a lot of op- – and maybe that's what FSU was giving them, what they took, but there still hasn't yet been a game where I've been, like, super confident about what the running game is. And I think maybe we were a little spoiled having a guy like Jordan Ellis who was just, you know, always solid for, you know, several yards if you gave him the ball. And I think Talapapa is the guy – uh, and I really, really like his. Yeah, style. he looks like, good. Yeah, the way he grant like he he's one of those like leg churner guys. I absolutely love. Like, yeah. His legs do not stop moving, and he's always very cognizant. It seems early of where his body is, so that there were times where they reviewed the play and like he was smart and stayed absolutely parallel to the ground. Um, but I'd like to see um, the continued development of the O line and um, the running game a little bit more consistent. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. The when you alluded to some bad calls on that last drive, obviously we we're all pretty livid uh, with the string of personal fouls for the Hoos, and and you know having watched the replays, like the the pass interference on Nick Grant is something that usually doesn't get called. I thought that one was bull. I'm sorry, like I thought, was, yeah, I thought that was. Yeah, I I was, so I, I was shocked that, was that really, they threw really the flag. Good. 
and like I said, I most most people I don't think would throw the flag there. The game's over. It was pretty surprising. You know, there was enough contact to like explain i guess why you know that the, the, the pi was called i don't see any explanation for the roughing the passer on that last no, blackman headbutted I mean, blackman headbutted him he was in i the, went back i watched the replay and yeah and the like from the there's a uh, virginia sports tv has a really good angle of it from behind blackman yeah you can see very clearly matt goes up and then comes down and puts his hands they like rest on Blackman's right. shoulder pads yeah. and then Blackman's head comes forward and then snaps right. back. Like this sounds like the Zapruder film, yeah. but it's like, <laughs> yes, it did like back into the left, but only after it had started forward. The ref who so, was standing right there was not the one who threw the flag. Right. And exactly. should have said to the, whoever threw the flag when they huddled up, like, no, like, no, no, it was a flop. It was awful. And, and Mac made every, like he made every effort oh, yeah. to not run into the guy hard. Like you have to change the also, laws Jesus of Christ, physics he got really not to touch him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He got really, really high off the ground. But and, and I, so, I will say that the, the concerning part of all this is I'm, I'm not fully, um, like sure that UVA is going to have this reputation, but it is true that Bronco Mendenhall's teams had the reputation of being dirty at BYU. Overtly right, true. But the teams here and, in three years have had a reputation for being extraordinarily disciplined and clean. So and, just from one game should not be a situation in which people are like, oh, here comes BYU's. But I'm not talking about one game. I'm talking about the string of late hits that they have been doing this season. We've seen it across these few games from not just one player, although I think Zandier's probably guilty of a couple. There have been late hits that you need to clean up or else you're going to get that type of Sure. Um, I also thought the reputation. one borderline especially if you're not going to throw the flag when they hit Bryce after he slid no they should have thrown the they should have thrown the flag on Bryce or the hit on Bryce that was absolutely they also should have flagged him roughing the punter in the end zone but that's another okay but also the I totally disagree the flag that UVA got on a late hit was absolutely a late hit I mean having gone back and watched it on television it was clear in person I wasn't too sure but yeah by by far it it was a to me a clear call on the late hit but there was also uncalled late hits on blackman that uva got away with at least one i can think of that was a low hit into his knees um that didn't get a flag so you know but somebody's going to go back and point that out and if you start collecting things like that then they start throwing flags when it's iffy and I don't know that that's what happened this time in the fourth quarter, you know, string of bad calls, but it's, it's a, it's a road you don't want to go down. And it's something that we've seen in more than one game so far uh, this season. So a room for improvement. Uh, I, I assert uh, with that. So Virginia is 55th in defensive penalties per game and 67th in penalty yards per game, which te- would indicate that they're more ticky tack fouls. Um, uh, you're, yeah. getting, you're getting more of the five and 10 yard variety than the 15 yard variety. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. Like it's, there was definitely when, um, when UVA hired Bronco Mendenhall, uh, Will and I spent a lot of time talking about the infamous video of the BYU offensive lineman just punching 
a player in the nuts. I think it was, I think it was during the Holy War, so it's during the, the BYU-Utah games. I don't know if that makes it excusable, but we were, we were very excited to have a team full of nut punchers. Um, and thankfully that has not been the reputation yet. Um, so, but I, I would, I would agree that, you know, if, if it's the one, the one player that makes me the most worried about getting that reputation is Zendier. Oh, yeah. Cause he's like, okay, all right, bud, take it. Him and Joey Blunt are the two. They're like, all right. That would be 1A and 1B for me. Yeah, Yeah, I think my thing on it is the commentators when I rewatched it were doing a lot of the like, oh, Virginia again, the same, you know, that it was the same as the drive before him where Florida State picked up a bunch. I'm okay or I can live with getting a 15-yarder like Jordan Mack got when you're being aggressive. And and, and that was like clearly not headhunting. There's no targeting. There's no like the guys, Florida State had some of those like, you know, the whistle's already blown. They drive a guy further back and, like, lift him up and throw him down. Like, I don't think any of these plays so far, maybe one against Sandier in the pit game, have I been like, that was a dirty play. Like, they came in way late or weren't making play on the – or, you know, like, that – it would give me where I was like, ooh, yeah, that was a bad call. Even the blunt hit on rewatching it, I still think was, like, pretty, like, boom, one, boom. Like, I didn't think it was as aggressive as, like, this whole thing. So I, I, I understand what you're saying. I definitely don't want to see those. Like those flags are the worst. And the emotion at that moment in the stadium, the one by Bryce Hall, the pass interference was smart as hell. And that kid is so savvy. Oh, he, sure. Yeah. He was beat. He pulled his jersey, got the PI, possibly saved a touchdown. Maybe yeah. Blackman overthrows him. We don't know. I'm totally <laughs> fine with that. I, the, the one on Bronco was bullshit too. He didn't even throw his headset. Like I think they're just trying to emphasize like coaches yeah. This season, that's but what that he said, me. right? That he was too far out on the field or something, which is, which is a point of it. It's a point, yeah. Of it. That's, I understand. That's that's, I mean, he's lucky he didn't get ejected. That's that's under the under the new rules for unsportsmanlike conduct by coaches. It's it's supposed to be almost a hair trigger. That if 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 the coach like is out on the field, it's borderline it's the, ejection. It was the and yeah. honestly, if they hadn't made such a rule. shitty call, he wouldn't have been <laughs> so mad. So do your damn job, and then he wouldn't be so damn mad at you. But so I didn't like that one either. It was just kind of like there was just such a weird ending. Like I don't know, and so I'll like sure. reserve making you know whole overarching judgments on the defense. Like I don't know, you don't want to see it because it's brutal. Like Virginia won that game t- three times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I apologize to the sixth floor of the courtyard Marriott in Pittsburgh uh, for <laughs> the noises that I was making during that drive. Man, I've never. It's, there was a lot of booing, but it was, was kind of cool to see it end the same way as the '95 one. <laughs> it was funny to see the FSU fans sitting in front of me leave uh, without seeing one of the flags thrown. Oh no! And then they like stopped, but they were out of the section, so they just turned around to watch the rest. And then they lost again. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> so you had to yeah, deal with with a little glimmer of hope, and then uh, and then losing again. I didn't understand everyone complaining about. Um, the clock not stopping yeah. and maybe it was confusing uh in it live in person but going back and watching it on tv uh, it seemed pretty clear that they didn't know it was a first down until they call it a first down and it was super vague because the receiver catches it but you know wh- yeah where does he run backwards or get pushed backwards you know um they also i don't, I don't really... think went out of bounds on the like two plays prior um and they called him out of bounds so they stopped the clock 
It was a really the whole, I think the refs had a real tough day just in general. Just well, yeah, they, they had, terrible. It was, stuff. It, was <laughs> it was rough stuff for our, for our for our guys in, in black and white. But uh, there were just a lot. That whole thing was so weird. And then Florida State didn't help themselves. Like if you go back and watch it, like one of the like offensive linemen, like they blocked each other, like and didn't block any Virginia guys. Like Ron went <laughs> they went opposite directions and ran into each other. Like the wide receivers didn't move. Like. There was just they a had lot. plenty of time to clock the ball. Even even with four seconds left, yeah. they were lined up enough they could have clocked it and then actually scripted Ooh. a play as opposed to running the exact same play from 1995 <laughs> from the exact same spot that didn't work. I, I think they were that was what they were coached to do. I haven't yeah, heard it said the, one way or another, but I think they, I think they clearly ball. said we're not going to clock it, get up there and run this direct snap play and try and catch yeah. them off guard. I think I, they had it already called. I think it's really the only it's, yeah, it's the only sensible sure, explanation. Yes, let's play the on the coaches instead of the players. Absolutely. Right. Like, <laughs> because it was a direct a snap. Because yeah. it was a direct yeah. snap, it's not like they just winged that, you know? <laughs> like they were it's not like, like, well, we would clock it, but I don't think we can. So, so here's okay, what I you got. line up here. Yeah. You know, I, I, to me it was a, a predetermined thing regardless. So I think I, he said I think he said that because they asked him about the clock at the end of the game, about mm-hmm. asked Taggart, and he said something to the extent of like, you know, that doesn't ma- it didn't matter because of the fact that we already had like a play called and we had it all set up so, so that maybe was just, he agrees with me maybe, yeah, maybe i'm right thing we're gonna do was was run the play and yeah. like if my first did anyone else worry for a second that his knee wasn't down it yes but yeah it was it very much was well his I knee, his knee wasn't play. down but his elbow with no, his, the knee ball. his knee his, his knee, knee was down, down. yeah but, it's but also you couldn't tell on. live yeah no. right i was i was much more confident that his elbow had gone down that definitely was down um, I, I i was like oh was his knee down and i watched it was it. i saw the the freeze frame or whatever yeah, yeah it, it definitely was but there were two defenders that didn't leave like they didn't let him in the end zone so. Well, I just assumed there'd be a flag too, you know, like <laughs> they start rushing on the field and I'm like, that's a, that, that's that's a it. flag, <laughs> you, can't do, you know, I mean, uh, I, I was pretty much shocked. It was the craziest thing I've ever, I, it was one of the craziest games and it's all because my sister went, so I apologize. Everything that she goes to, the last, I think one of the last games she went to was the seven overtime lacrosse game. I was so. there. Maybe yeah. it's my fault. Anyway, um, <laughs> enough about the the refs, though. Let's talk. Uh, let's hand out our three stars for the game. So, uh, Caroline, why don't you go first? Bryce, Bryce, Bryce Perkins, Perkins. Uh, there's a lot of You're good. You're gonna Bryce. have to be more specific. Yeah. Okay, Bryce Perkins. <laughs> Bryce Perkins. Um, oh my God, that two point conversion. Like he might be my next week's three star. Like star, just the same for the two point conversion. Uh, <laughs> I've carry watched over it. three star. <laughs> yeah. Like this, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've watched it. Um, the fact that he just had the wherewithal, there were so many things that he did right on that play. And, and you know, he made it all the way over to the right hash before cutting back. He pump faked a pass end zone to get one of the linebackers like on the wrong pursuit path and slowed down and cut back through. And then, you know, shout out to Ryan Nelson, um, taking out three guys. Yeah. Uh, but just the smart, like noticing he knew, he knows all the time where he is in relation to his body and and knowing where he can cut through and where he can't Mm. and knowing when the pocket was first collapsing, not to try and cut through the middle and backing back out and the sassiness of the sidestep, like jazz hands into the end zone um, was just perfection. And the fact that he did all of that without getting touched um, 
So I, I just think that that was, and it was such an important play, obviously, um, just to make it so that Florida State could only tie the game unless they decided to go for two, which who knows what would have happened, but um, that they could tie the game instead of outright win it with a touchdown. Um, it just set the tone of the, again, it just continued that feeling for me of like, this mm-hmm. team's legit, this team's real, like they're back against the wall. They had to score. They did it. They got it done. Um, and it was just, it was just so cool. And if you haven't seen it yet, find the video that has just the stadium sound, no music, no commentary overlaid. Um, because at each various step of the two point conversion, you can hear the crowd like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> Oh. And then when he finally gets into the end zone, just the like, sheer freak out of 58,000 people and it's it's amazing so Bryce Perkins gets my star all right Paul so I was going to give my star to Zandir for uh, the recovery sack against Blackman but instead I'm going to give it to the recruiting staff uh, getting both the number of players and the quality of players in the building uh, in, in the stadium for for that game was really fantastic uh, I've already seen it bear fruit with Brandon Williams uh, who pro- almost certainly play outside linebacker for Virginia uh, out of out of Louisiana? Another one of the boot boys uh, gives Virginia three uh, in in this class. Um, but more importantly, really, really making inroads with some of the best players, not just in Virginia but in the country for 21, 2021 and twenty twenty two classes. Um, you know, guys like Bryce Carter, uh, who's a, a defensive end at, at Thomas Dale, that that should be one of the top players in the state in next year's class mm-hmm. um which jamie if, if anybody's worried about the, the the state of recruiting uh all i'll say is this is that the 2020 class is going to be small and the 2020 class of virginia recruits doesn't match up well with what uva is looking for uh, right. jamie oaks has done some really good coverage on this so if he, he goes into a lot more detail on that but the recruiting has th- – this is – we talk about a, a missed opportunity game. This would have been potentially a missed opportunity for several years that, that had a, a tail of several years um, if uh, the sort of recruiting impact had, had gone a different way. The, the way that That's it right. has gone uh, from getting Williams in, on in, into the commitment field already uh, and, and the way that the other recruits have been talking about the visit uh, has been extraordinary. So Blanda Wolf uh you know ricky brumfield who's who's been doing such good work down in louisiana um all of all of the guys that are are really leading the charge justin anderson on recruiting um really really <laughs> not that uh, justin anderson. Anderson. The, uh, correct the other justin anderson <laughs> slightly shorter mm-hmm. good stuff well um we should also uh get to my star i guess and you know you know who i'm gonna go with i mean i love how they got joe reed the ball that was very creative and very successful. And uh, I think a, a, one of the keys to the offense was coming up with different ways to get the, the ball in Reed's hands. Uh, but Terrell Jana actually had more yards than Reed. And I feel like I haven't gone back and counted, but I feel like all of them came on a really critical drive that they were hitting him uh, to move the ball down the field. And I thought that was uh, that second half drive was the statement was that we were going to win this game. Um, and I know a lot happened after it, uh, but I thought it, it just gave me so much confidence in not just the offense, but the whole momentum, the whole the whole spirit of the team. And Jana was huge uh, for that. So I was really impressed uh, with him. 
particularly on that drive, but I found the drive for you. Um, um, uh, a teeny bidro read as well, a large bidro read as well, but I'm giving mine to to Jana. Um, just so you have it here, mm-hmm. uh, it was the drive that started with 5:48 left in the third, so the mm-hmm. one that culminated with the Joe Reed touchdown. Uh, pass complete to Jana. Pass complete to Dubois. Complete to Jana. Complete to Jana. <laughs> complete to Atkins. A uh, couple rushes. Complete to Kemp. Complete to Jana. <laughs> there we go um, See? yeah so he was just he was <laughs> outstanding he was and you're right i really did like the way that they got the ball to joe reed and clearly they're keying on reed because they're seeing right that they're feeding it to him and that's gonna make those opportunities for Jana and the other guys uh pop up more easily and right, let's talk about odu fronts down in norfolk uh could not beat the hokies this year like they did last year unfortunately. They, get, well, they gave them a run for their money though first um, half for sure or no and then there was a comeback of sorts for them i believe yeah they kept it within mostly within a touchdown for most of the game here's the thing i've said this before but no one knows better than virginia fans that literally anything can happen and i think that this is a team that you know a lot of people talk about you know this is, can't look past and got to you know focus you're coming off of this big game and then you got notre dame like Notre-Dame's i don't have a feeling off a week yeah, ODU's coming off a bye week. I, this is a team that I legitimately don't have concerns about looking past people. I don't know what it is about. If it's Broncos mentality or if it's the way – maybe it's the way that they performed against William & Mary, which mm-hmm. could have easily been an overlooked game too, if you want to put it that way, where it's like, you know, had the big game at Pitt. You have another conference game the next weekend at home against a big brand-name opponent with everyone in the building. Um but this is a team that ha- – I mean, they've got a couple transfers from Tech. Uh, Kuma, the wide receiver, we've seen him before. Um, he's a solid player. They've got um, – why am I messing up the um, quarterback's name? Street. Is it Stone Street? Am I making that up or is that what it is in my head? Um, but he's a guy that smart. is talented. Stone Smart. Stone Smart. <laughs> there we go. I was like, I know there's two Also a good name. There. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's a tough, he's a big dude. He's like six, four. So they're going to have a challenge. I think, you know, anytime I see Virginia favored by 30, I want to throw up because it just is absurd. Um, but this should be a team that Virginia can handle and hopefully easily. Cause I'll be at a wedding watching on my phone. So, you know, get married during football season. Very rude. rude. Paul, what are your thoughts? Not yeah, I, it's we're it's, on both. Subject. Preferably just on weddings. Just wedding. on weddings. Well, as having having attended one last weekend. Um, uh, you rude. Well, I I prefer to say that it is it's a it's a sign of true friendship of of how much the friendship means that one would go to a fall wedding and mm-hmm. try and frame it that way so that I look good. Um, Fair. Yeah. Uh, it's I. For, turning back to football um it is nice that virginia has a trap game instead of is a trap game that's <laughs> that's a I mean, good point i mean like you know uh, well i guess the shoe may well be on the other foot next week um when when the who's go to notre dame but it's it's kind of like oh this is weird to have expectations to have momentum <laughs> that might make us look past a team like it's it's a nice feeling um I'm not particularly worried about Old Dominion. As we talked about during the, the preview, there's a lot of new guys. Yeah. Um, the, the JUCO pipeline has been very strong um, down to, to Old Dominion. Hasn't 
particularly gelled yet the way um, it, it kind of seems like it would need to um, for them to have be really pose a threat to Virginia in this game. Um, I, I'm comfortable, which makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird feeling. Um, this, yeah, this just should be one that it should be similar to William and Mary, honestly. Uh, yeah, I don't think be a lot of differences between the two. I don't think. I don't know that the Who's will cover, but um, that might be more because if they're going to rest Bryce at some point, like you hope they do, is Lindell Stone going to play quarterback? And, yeah, I don't know if Armstrong's ready with the foot yeah, we, injury that he's had. Um, we, it, I would hope it's. I I would hope RJ Harvey gets some run. Um, I. Stone's great. Stone's if, if look if playing Stone means that it's more likely that his brother comes here, that would be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His brother Preston is a five-star quarterback. Yeah. Um, but Don't hate it, that. for the future of the offense, I think it would make more sense to let R.J. Harvey play. Mm-hmm. Uh, if for yeah. no other reason than it'll it'll allow the same kind of running game, and yeah. we get to see what, Har- what Harvey's got for an arm. Um, it's strong. We. Is it accurate? Can it get over a Ryan Swoboda, who's a foot taller than him? Yeah, he's very um, small. So, <laughs> so but Luke uh, Wenson. It would be interesting to see. I don't know that they're going to score enough points to cover, though, is my point. Like, Yeah. Because I think the defense is going to handle Old Dominion. Um, Old Dominion is just not that good. Like, they're just not good. I'm not afraid. Um, oh, oh, God, you're making me more nervous. <laughs> Well, the no, same way William and Mary wrong. didn't make me afraid. Yeah, and they struggled in their first. I think they would they play Norfolk State in their first game. They've only, like we said, they're coming off a bye. They've only played two games. We don't have a ton of information on them. Yeah. And one of them again is against a Virginia Tech team that has uh, looked questionable in there. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> they it, lost. it may be it may be more of a black <laughs> mark on ODU's schedule. <laughs> I would say only only losing by four or losing by fourteen whole points to Tech is almost as bad as only beating Norfolk State by three. Given, like, yeah, I mean they lost to BC. Like they got worked by BC, who then went on to lose to Kansas by doubled yeah. up forty eight. Like they got stomped at home by Kansas, which is just well, and then yeah. Furman Furman was a bad call away from having a potentially game tying drive in the fourth quarter. Um, anyway, we won't talk. I don't. I'm trying not to concern myself with what they're doing over there um, until November, end of November. But it does bring me to my uh, one of my final questions for you guys, which is, who's the second best team in the ACC? Virginia. Okay, then Probably. who's if? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. I think that's totally fair. Who who's the third? Wake is my third right now. Because they beat UNC? No, because they beat a good Utah State team and then handled Rice. I think they've looked consistent. Um, this will be really interesting to see. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of Carolina. I wouldn't say it's – I mean, you can't say it's Carolina because they lost to Wake. Uh, you can't say it's Miami because they lost to Carolina and a Florida team that struggled. Like, you don't get a ton of credit for me right after for beating Bethune-Cookman by 60. Mm-hmm. Um it's clearly I would still not. say at the I would say at the end of the year it's more likely Carolina has nine wins than Wake has nine. Yeah, wins. yeah. I don't there's, know. There's more, like, I think Sam. I think Sam Howell's legit. Oh, he's very good. Um, I think Wake's schedule is a little bit. They've got some. They could start eight and zero, and I wouldn't be surprised. That's fair. 
the way that their schedule lays out. So, and I mean, I'm Matt Ellis for the blog. He chose Louisville and you can make a compelling argument. In my mind, because you can of the make fact an that no argument. one else. Well, if Matt were here to make that argument, maybe we would hear it. But, <laughs> but it's not, you know, it's not Florida State. Not. It's not, I mean, even NC State would have probably been my choice before, or Syracuse. Those are two teams that were supposed well, to be a lot better than they've yeah. shown. I mean, Syracuse. They look, I know one of those teams was Clemson. Holy you got dominated by Maryland, who then went on to lose to Temple 20 right. to 17 or something. So, and again, it's early. We only have three games to watch people, but um, it's certainly not Georgia Tech who lost to the Citadel. It was a rough week for the ACC, y'all. Why do you hate the troops, Caroline? <laughs> Could be Duke. Quentin Harris has been very good at quarterback. Um, so I'm curious. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I think they're probably the third. Uh-huh. Crazy, crazy Atlantic Coast Conference. Not just the Coastal now. Now, everyone but Clemson, and maybe everyone but Clemson and UVA. UVA seems to be doing what they should be doing and, and not pulling a coastal. Uh, I don't know. guess we'll find out. Yeah. Right, to close things up with our uh, weekly football segment uh, during our football podcast, uh, why don't we start with the men this week? They are 5-0, and oh, which is a theme you might pick up from uh, the fall sports so far at UVA, but they've also beaten uh, the team that was ranked number one at the time, Maryland, and the team that was ranked number two at the time, Duke, on the road. I mean, a 1-0 win over Rafford, okay, whatever, but the Hoos are looking great on the pitch. I'm kind of surprised they weren't number one. I don't know. If you beat one and two, and that's half of your games that you've played at that point. And you haven't lost. And yeah. you haven't <laughs> lost. I'm just kind of like, you can't really complain about top five. Like, fine. But yeah, they've looked good. I think the question was always going to be, as you talked on Patty Cast, Patty Cast podcast, Patty's Pod, um, where's the scoring going to come from? Um, and yeah. they found ways. They showed some of that at Duke, at least. Um, yeah. The the assists. Uh, what's his face had was Carol uh, DK. Oh my yeah, DK. Yeah. It was unbelievably uh, pretty. You know, before the assist, the footwork before it. But uh, the women are right there too. They uh, are number one, right? Uh, this yeah, week. they are currently number one. Um, they've been kicking ass, too. Oh, they're um, seven and no, more than that. They've won they're eight now. a million games. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think know they're why outscoring. I think they're outscoring opponents like 35 to three or something. Mm-hmm. Like, they do not have a question where the scoring is going to come from. Wow, this is some um, very crooked numbers on the right side of the box. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they are putting up goals and I, Diana Ordonez hasn't played in a few games in a couple games I think maybe one or two um I haven't heard anything like I'm sh- it's probably an injury thing but haven't heard anything from the school um but she's still tied or second in the country with nine goals already on the season so um she's Ridiculous. very yeah um and can, I ask a, can I ask a question to people who apparently know more about college soccer than me sure. are are UC Irvine Liberty East Carolina and Minnesota any good like how yeah they're number one so obviously they had a lot of, of preseason expectations they lived sure. up to that's a lot of, of offense but is this it's more I think uh, the the Georgetown win um, Georgetown uh, and West Virginia were West really Virginia big wins and Penn State, Penn State. Wins. yeah as uh, other teams in the top also lost but it's not it's like Minnesota like a solid Big Ten team I think um 
I don't think ECU is a real, you know, heavyweight, but it's the matter of like, they've been looked dominant in like all of the games um, and just come out like taking names that while other teams. So like UNC was number one for a little bit. I think it's been an ACC team three of the five weeks that the polls have been out. Um, So ACC is just like stacked as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, both men's and women's I think each have like seven or eight in the top 20 which is insane um but yeah they they the wins against like I was at the West Virginia game and they won four to one and that was like a convincing um and they were number 12 at the time I think and then uh Georgetown was number 15 and then Penn State was number eight so getting like dominant wins over those three I think yeah. helped the case Irvine yeah. seems to be pretty solid they lost on a late goal to number four UCLA uh, before they played the Hoos, and they lost 1-0 to number nine, uh, Vanderbilt. They played a bunch of name-brand teams. They played a bunch of Pac-12 teams, Arizona State, Arizona Cal, and they also played Texas Tech, and they've lost all those games. So it's been a rough season uh, for the Anteaters. Uh, Being right in there. <laughs> they're sure, they certainly at least are the team that wants to play uh, the Power Five schools, including uh, with Virginia, some some highly ranked ones. So I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to see till they uh, play more on their level how how good they really are. But I, no slouch as far as I can tell, looking at that schedule. But regardless, uh, it's it's a good time for the fall sports for the Who's. Uh, so be sure to come out and uh, you know check them Saturday against ODU yeah. uh, on the on the American football pitch. <laughs> and uh, well, soon, uh, soon we're going to have basketball going on, which is scarily yeah, indoor pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when you go to the first game, you can check out that brand new spanking clean banner they got hanging in the rafters now, which is gorgeous. Um, <laughs> it was a big weekend on grounds, you yeah. I look forward to seeing it. I look forward to more big weekends on grounds coming up. Uh, but until then, stay tuned uh, to the blog for more pre-ODU coverage and certainly some post-ODU coverage and, and maybe some notes from our newest blog contributor, one uh, Kyle mother effing guy. <laughs> you may have heard of him. I assume he doesn't cuss. I don't know. Let's ask. Um, <laughs> I get that. Yeah, we'll just get him on the pod. Yeah. We're just gonna we're just gonna edit a bunch of swear words into his articles. <laughs> But he'll be hitting us with football takes, as you may have noticed. He's been doing a lot of that on the tweeters, um, and he he's got a lot to say about the football team. He you know clearly wahoo for life across all the sports, and a lot of good stuff uh, coming from Kyle. So looking forward to that. So you, uh, dear listeners, look forward to that as well. For everybody at the blog, I'm Pierce, and go who's. 